You are listening to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast with your host Holly and her trusty sidekick Beck. Welcome to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast. How are you going, Beck? Great, thanks. How about yourself? I am good, thank you. Hello to all of our listeners. Hopefully you are enjoying some sunshine by now that spring has gotten a little bit more beautiful. <laughs> We're currently recording September. This episode will be coming out towards the end of October. So we're still in stage four lockdown in Melbourne, Victoria. So if you're listening to this and this is going to be, now you're listening into the past. So you're listening to past Holly and Beck (laughs) talk about (laughs) being in the middle of this lockdown. (laughs) But hopefully it's nearly finished and we can. Fingers crossed. Maybe, maybe by the time this episode's released, Beck will be actually able to record (gasps) in the same room. Yes, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for it either. I think that'll be fun. Although it will be different because we've only ever recorded remotely. So Yeah, I, I was thinking about it the other day and thinking about what equipment we would use, how it would be different if we were in the same room. Today's episode, we're talking about handing the problem back to your child in a loving way. And it's really about guiding kids to own and solve their own problems so that we as parents are not solving all of our kids' problems for them, mm-hmm. but rather being there to support them as they solve their own problems. Mm. And this is something that you and I, Beck, both learnt um, whilst um, doing our own research in Love and Logic before we went to do the facilitator training in Denver. Yes. So... Let's start with the three styles of parenting, the most common styles. Yep. So do you want to say the first one? Because I think you feel like you might be more of that. Yeah. So the first one is a helicopter parent. So they fly in, hover in, over, or always hovering, and then <laughs> fly in to rescue the kid before anything happens. That's what mm-hmm. a, it's kind of the general style of a helicopter parent. Yeah. So it's like a a problem solver, but it's almost preempting the problem to mm. make sure that they're always there to rescue whenever their child has a problem or something goes wrong or they make a mistake or have a make a bad choice. Yes. Can definitely next, relate to that. Yeah. I think most parents can. Mm. And you know, as we talk about this some more, like you'll be able to recognize the times that you are a helicopter parent and everyone's everyone does it. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not something that you can necessarily avoid even if even if um, you're on your game all the time, mm. it, it's going to come up. True. And the next one is the drill sergeant parent. So the drill sergeant parent is the one that's more authoritarian and they expect to be able to give a command and for their child to immediately do what they say, when mm-hmm. they say, how they say. It's almost it's almost like a um, you say jump and it's like how high, uh-huh. that kind of that kind of style. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's very common to think that that's what parenting is because often it's portrayed in the media or, you know, in society about parenting is telling your child what to do and then they do it. Mm-hmm. But any parent can tell you that's not actually how it quite works. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Um, and I know that we both, I mean, we've talked about this before, how we've mm. both flicked between being a helicopter or being a drill sergeant parent. Yes. But what we're aiming for, <laughs> which is the third one, yes, is like the coach. Mm-hmm. So your basketball coach, someone who comes alongside you and assists you, mm-hmm. is your friend and a mentor, um, but is allowing you to learn and to grow and to be empowered. Yep. So that's what we're aiming for. Yes, that is what we're aiming for. <laughs> so do you feel like you're often more of a helicopter or a drill sergeant or a coach? I think I'm I'm hoping that I'm becoming more like a coach because that's mm-hmm. what, you know, what we've been talking about for so many years with Love and Logic. Mm-hmm. I've I've always thought of myself as a drill sergeant until we were having a conversation about this the other day and you made a comment mm-hmm. about me being a helicopter and, and it was kind of a bit of like a shock to me to realise. <laughs> it was a bit weird. But um, I think I'm much more of a helicopter but mm-hmm. I do have that, the occasion where I will switch and say, just go do this now. Um, yes. So I definitely think I flick between, my natural tendency is to flick between the two, drill sergeant and helicopter. And I think that's common for a lot of people. Mm. What do you think? Problem, well, I think I'm probably flick between the little, in my natural state, mm-hmm. I probably flick between them. Yep. I probably would sit as more of a drill sergeant if I had to kind of think about where I would fall naturally without being intentional about trying to be the coach parent. Mm -hmm. But the problem with the drill sergeant and helicopter styles of parenting is what it implicitly tells your child. Yes. So the helicopter parent teaches their child, you're not strong enough or big enough without my help Mm -hmm. and you can't help yourself or fix your own problems without me swooping in to rescue you. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like it teaches them that they are helpless and they can't do things by themselves. Yes. I don't want my kids to think that. No, I know. And then the drill sergeant parent teaches the child that you need an external voice constantly telling you how to behave and Mm -hmm. what to do. And without an external voice, you're going to be lost because there's no internal voice starting to develop. Yes. So those are kind of the big mm-hmm. problems with those parenting styles. Um, and now, the, the coach style, what does that implicitly say to our kids? Well, yes, good question. So the coach style says you're big enough to have a think about what's happening, to be empowered to have a change in your own situation because you're not a victim of what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. You've actually got enough wisdom to be able to learn and grow from what's happening. It teaches the children that there is consequence and cause and effect and how to recognise that. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what we want because we don't want our kids to think, oh, I can't do this without being rescued Mm -hmm. or, oh, I need an external voice to tell me what to do. I mean, eventually when your child leaves home, you don't want the external voice that you've been telling them to be replaced by a peer or something else. You Mm -hmm. want to actually guide them to listen to their own internal voice more than the external voice or to feel empowered to change their situation rather than thinking, well, who's going to rescue me because I'm helpless in all of these situations. Mm -hmm. So don't feel bad if you've... (laughs) if you feel like you are helicopter or drill sergeant, Mm -hmm. because we all do it and it will still happen no matter how 
um, great you are at being the coach parent or even as a facilitator mm-hmm. of a Love and Logic parenting course, um, you can always fall into those traps, but it's just a helpful reminder, I think, to have some of these conversations. So today we're going to talk about one of the skills and techniques that Love and Logic use, and we're going to go through each step um, that actually helps guide your children to own and solve their own problems. Yay. So guiding kids to own and solve their own problems with these five steps for love and for love and logic. This is what they say to do. So we might just go through the steps really quickly, mm-hmm. but then we're going to explain them in more detail using a particular situation and how you might respond to it. And we'll also put the link to this PDF from Love and Logic in our show notes. So make sure you go there and have a look at it, download it, print it, uh, put it up around your house to remind you to use this because mm. it's, it's really powerful. So step one is empathy. If you feel like you find it difficult to empathize, practice it, practice mm-hmm. it in the mirror. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Uh-huh. It can be difficult. Practice so, it on your friends. Yeah. Doesn't... Just an empathetic response. Mm-hmm. How sad. Oh, that's hard. Oh, oh, honey. Yeah. Step two, send the power message. So this is what you were saying about the implicit message is about the kids are being able to solve problems themselves and and know their inner voice. So this is exactly what this message does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's saying to the child in step two, what do you think you're going to do? And it's not in an argumentative way. It's just in a still in that empathetic zone. It's handing the problem back in a really loving way, like, wow, that's really sad, that hurts. What do you think you're going to do about that? Empowering the child that this is actually something that's within their um, power to change and have input into. Mm-hmm. It's telling them we believe in them enough to yeah. believe that they can do this. That's yeah. right. And you're not, you're not just going, oh, what do you think you're going to do and walking away? You're actually there, you're present. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Step three is offering choices. Love and Logic always teaches that you don't um, tell the child what they should do in this technique, but you externalise it a little bit to say, would you like to hear what other kids have tried? Because that helps them to think about other people rather than, oh, this is mum and dad just telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. So then at this point in step three, would you like to hear what other kids have tried? Offer them a variety of choices from good and bad choices. The reason that Love and Logic suggests to do this, especially you want to offer them a bad choice (laughs) up front, is because most kids are going to reject the very first thing that you say and you don't want to waste a good choice on them (laughs) first off. So offer them a range of choices. Each time a choice is offered, you go to step four, which is and how will that work out for you? And so sometimes you might go back and forth from step three to step four. Mm-hmm. You offer a choice and how will work that for you. And then the last step, which is step five, is give the child permission to either solve or not solve the problem. And this is really key mm. because, you know, we don't want to solve the problem for them. We're actually trying to guide them to solve the problem. And this can be the hardest part for parents to step away from because you're, that, that's the point where you really have to leave the problem with them. Mm-hmm and then step away to see what happens. And that can be really tricky mm-hmm. de- depending on the situation. Yeah. So those are the five steps. Empathy, how sad, I bet that hurts. The power message, what are you going to do about that? 
Number three, offering some choices. Would you like to hear what some other kids have tried? Would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? Step four, how will that work out for you? And then step five, good luck. I hope it works out. Let me know how you go with that. So those are the steps. Again, download this PDF mm. and um, and use it. Yep. We're going to go through it again in a little bit more detail for you, but this time with a story. Yeah. Should we use, which story should we use, Beck? I think you should use the banana one. Okay. <laughs> so I'll use the banana story, which Beck knows. And anyone who has, is listening to this and has been to one of the classes I've facilitated on Love and Logic may have heard this as well. But... This is a story about one of my kids several years ago now and I used this guiding kids to own and solve their own problems. I use it a lot with my kids. Mm. Sometimes once you really practice it, you you won't get through all the steps because the kids get used to it and they know where it's headed and that that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Remind me back to tell the other story I told you the other day about the other thing. Okay. <laughs> it's not very clear, is it? <laughs> anyway. Um so I had a situation several years ago where I had just been shopping and we'd brought home all of the food, the groceries, and I'd put the groceries on the dining table and I was ready for the kids to help me pack it all away. And the kids were helping me pack it away. And one of my kids at the time was really unhappy with helping and started to chuck a bit of a wobbly. Now at this time the child was about seven or eight, I'd mm-hmm. say. So not a toddler, but certainly having a tantrum-y, toddler-y type moment. Mm-hmm. And so the child picked up the bananas off the table, angrily smashed them to the floor mm-hmm. and jumped on the bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I you bet you imagine. didn't laugh at the time. No, I didn't laugh at the time. At the time, I think I probably felt like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? This is so annoying. Like this is the last thing you need when you're trying to manage kids and mm-hmm. unpack shopping and all of that kind of stuff. So I, and I don't always do this, but in this particular moment, I had remembered my love and logic. <laughs> and I thought, hang on a minute. Whilst this problem that I've now got no bananas the child has caused the problem. So it's actually their problem. Mm-hmm. So I started with step one, which is empathy, which was like, oh, honey. Oh, no. And my empathy response in this case was me realizing this isn't actually my problem. Mm-hmm. So now I'm empathetic for the fact that my child's got the problem mm-hmm. of replacing the bananas. So that's where this thought process comes from is, okay, I need to be really empathetic because my child has made a bad choice, but the problem now lies with them to solve Mm -hmm. and I've got to teach them that. So I said, oh, honey, this is so sad. Oh, there's no bananas anymore because they're all squished and I've got no more grocery money to, to buy more bananas. Oh, this is very sad. So just having that empathy up front as mm-hmm. step one, as we've talked about, that empathy opens the heart and the mind to learning, which is something that Love and Logic teaches because that's the gateway for the child to look 
inwards to themselves to realize, oh, this is mine to solve mm-hmm. instead of looking at the parent as the problem. So then step two, the power message, you know, oh, the bananas are squashed, blah, blah, blah. It's so, that's so hard. What do you think you're going to do? Now, of course, a child who's just had a bit of a tanty at helping put away the groceries and stepped on the bananas <laughs> isn't necessarily going to be in a place to answer the what are you going to do power message. Mm-hmm. And it's not always so much that the kids are going to answer the what are you going to do. Sometimes they won't answer it. Sometimes mm. they'll look at you blank, blankly and shrug their shoulders. Sometimes they'll get stroppy and say, nothing, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> So I, you know, from memory, he just looked at me and was like confused, like, well, you know, what? I don't know. <laughs> and so I said to him, would you like to hear what some other kids have tried? And again, that, so this is step three, the offering, the choices. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear what some other kids have tried? Now, when you first start using this, the kids might look at you funny or say no, and that's okay. That's where it ends. If at any point the child says, no, I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's where you stop it and you say, okay, well, you let me know when you're ready to hear some options. That's when if you'd they skip never... to step five at that point, wouldn't you? And say, good luck. Let yes, me, let depending me know what you're on, do. Absolutely. Yeah. But depending on what the problem is would depend on how you revisit it and what mm-hmm. technique you would use. But let's like focus it on this for the minute. So <clears throat> would you like to hear what some other kids have tried? So... I can't remember exactly the choices I gave because it was several years ago, as I said, but Mm. it was something along the lines of, and I remember the one that he chose Mm -hmm. to do, but it was something along the lines of some kids decide to ask the neighbours if they've got any spare bananas for us, how would that work out for you? Now, I use that as a bad choice Mm -hmm. because knowing my children and this particular child, there's no way that they're going to go next door Mm -hmm. and ask the neighbors for bananas some kids would some kids would go oh yeah that'll solve my problem great I'll go do it (laughs) I wouldn't use that on a kid who I would know is that's going to be their natural (laughs) their natural place to go because you want to waste a bad choice yep so when I would say would you like to go next door and see if their neighbors have got some spare bananas how would that work out for you the kid of course is like nope nope (laughs) that will not work (laughs) Some kids decide to use their pocket money to buy more bananas for the family. How would that work out for you? Just kind of looked at me blankly. And then the last choice that I offered, and this is the one that was eventually chosen, was some kids decide to sell some of their toys in order to make enough money to buy some more bananas for the family. How would that work out for you? And I think he kind of foo-fooed the idea because, of course, what kid wants to sell their Mm. toys or what kid wants to use their pocket money to buy bananas? And I think from memory he didn't have any pocket money or something saved up, so he would have said, like, I don't have any left or whatever. Anyway, so I just left it at that for a bit and he ran off. And then a little while later he comes back and he's he's carrying some toys and they were a little bit junky and (laughs) and whatnot and we kind of looked at how much bananas would cost and – and how much the toys would would make on eBay and anyway so he ended up selling some toys and I helped him Mm -hmm. in order to be able to buy more bananas Mm -hmm. and I took him to the shop with the money that he made from selling his toys and he bought bananas and by the end of that process you know because he was solving the problem and I was guiding him to solve his own problem Mm -hmm. the problem that he had created which was 
we had no, no bananas after shopping day and we needed the bananas. He was actually feeling empowered and so cheerful when he was buying the bananas because he's excited that he's mm. now fixed his own problem. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of in a nutshell how you would use that technique. And I'd really encourage anyone who's interested in trying this at home with their kids to try it. Let us know how you go. Mm-hmm. Send us an email. I love you too much to argue at gmail.com and we'd love to help you tweak it if things haven't quite worked out how you expected Mm -hmm. because you can actually use this in so many ways. And I think I've told this story before in another episode, but I remember when I first tried this and the story was providing empathy first, which is always your Mm go-to when my daughter had stepped on the Lego block Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh honey, that must hurt. This is so sad. Ouch. Are you okay? What do you think you're going to do? And I didn't even get to any of the other steps because as soon as I'd sent the sent the power message to her about actually this is you, you can solve this, mm-hmm. you're big enough and strong enough to solve this, that was when she was like, oh, I could pick up the block and put it away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes kids will do that. The story I was going to tell you, back that I asked you to remind mm. me about that. <laughs> that you remembered on your own. Woo-hoo! That I remembered on my own was. Uh, I said to you the other day how one of my kids was having a problem with one of their siblings mm-hmm. and she came to me. She's the littlest one. She won't listen to this probably for several years. But anyway, <laughs> she came to me and she said, you know, she told me the problem she was having with her brother and I was like, oh, honey, this is so sad and that must be really hard for you. So I was using it. She had a problem with her brother. They were having an argument about something. So it wasn't like she'd made a mistake, like with the banana incident, for example. But you can use this in heaps of other things. Mm, any any mm-hmm. space where the child is having a problem, you can guide them to own and solve their own problems. So she came to me and she's like, you know, I'm having this problem, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, honey, that sounds really hard. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. You know, that must be really hard to hear that nasty comment from your brother or hear that you're having a problem with him. And then I said to her, what do you think you're going to do? <laughs> and straight away she said, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, how, oh, honey, and how do you think that will work out for you? <laughs> and she said, good, <laughs> good, because he'll be gone. And I, and I said, oh, honey, that doesn't sound very good to me. And you know, that that was kind of a funny moment. You know, she doesn't really mean it. She was just in a kind of a headspace of being annoyed and angry and that's okay. And I didn't end up going through the five steps with her on mm-hmm. that. But the thing is I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to swoop in and solve their sibling spat. She was able to come to me. I was able to provide her empathy and hand the problem back to her, her knowing actually this is something she has to solve. Obviously she's not going to kill her brother. <laughs> Um, and that was enough for her to then feel heard, feel understood and Mm -hmm. feel like she had enough capacity to then go back into the situation, feeling like she's got someone in her corner and she's actually strong enough to go, ah, okay, I've got, I've got choice in this and I can change my situation Mm -hmm. and I can have an input into the relationship I have with my brother and change stuff. So she did go back and play again and then they were you know besties again like Mm -hmm. like they are sometimes when they're not fighting (laughs) (laughs) so great it is I really love this technique and honestly I would really love people to 
try it out and yeah. download the the guide that's in our episode notes. Yeah, yeah. I found as a helicopter parent, even not realising that I was myself, but mm. just, you know, obviously there's the empathy as the first step, but then the second step of, of sending that message of I actually believe in you to solve this problem by asking mm. a question before offering any ideas. Yes. It was really helpful for me just to practice that so much. And I've re- I've found it really helpful in my marriage when mm. we're talking about things and there's something difficult and just saying something like, oh, like what do you think you might do or have you had any mm-hmm. ideas about what you're going to do? It sends my husband the message that I actually believe in him and that he's powerful to be able to solve whatever it is that's challenging for himself rather than me jumping in with oh well you could do this which he always would say to me it makes him feel like I didn't believe in him and I could Mm -hmm. never really understand that until I learned this technique and were able to so for me it was really getting that first question out first Mm -hmm. before even thinking about any possible solutions in my mind was really helpful so yeah I think it's even a really helpful statement for adults to hear what are you going to do Mm because it does actually make you pause and think oh actually yeah what am I going to do like I'm a powerful person in this world with choices and decisions to make to change the situation for myself so Mm -hmm. what am I going to do and I think the other thing it does is when you come to someone with a problem and they're straight away firing at solutions at you with, you know, you might try one of their solutions and if it doesn't work out, your first reaction is, oh, they were wrong or mm. their solution's not right. And it's almost like you're then directing your resentment or whatever back towards that person mm-hmm. who suggested it to you. Mm-hmm. So with this method, it gives you op- options. It gives you the the ability to hand the problem back in a, lo- in a loving way, the ability to offer some different choices of what some other kids have tried mm-hmm. so it externalises it from you. Yeah. And then essentially it leaves the problem lying with the child to actually uh, solve. Mm. And I just think it's, I think it's great. It's powerful. I've had, I've had people use this on me before. And obviously when you're using it with an adult, it's a little bit different. It's not as rigid in that way because mm-hmm. children often don't know that you're using it. It's funny though, sometimes when I use this technique on my kids and I say, oh, what are you going to do? They realise what's happening. Uh-huh. And if you use it enough, they'll you'll get to the end of the steps much quicker because they'll know, oh, yeah, that's right, this is yep. my mm-hmm. problem and I know that mum and dad are here to, to help me but I'm powerful enough to have some change in this situation. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I was going to say we've had some really great feedback from our little private conversations. Yeah. Really, we <laughs> just started recording this because we were having lots of conversations and we wanted something extra to fill our time in lockdown. But um, thank you to all those people that have given us feedback. Yes, we really we appreciate it. it. We appreciate it and value it. And it's kind of funny to us that you would listen to our private conversations that aren't really that private because people listen to them <laughs> and then comment back to us what we've said. Yeah. And because we record in advance, we've got no idea what people are meaning. But no, <laughs> uh, really big thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, yeah. If you have enjoyed this podcast at all we'd love you to go and give us a five-star rating in the apple podcast store or wherever you rate your podcast i don't i only listen to podcasts on apple so i don't know how the rating system works wherever you listen (laughs) but go and do it yep 
and send us an email as I said to I love you too much to argue at gmail.com if you would like more info on this topic or if you'd like to help we would love to have a phone call with you um, to workshop this particular technique thanks for listening thanks If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, Beck and I would love it if you would rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. Do you have a question about the Enneagram, love and logic or love languages? Do you have a topic you want us to cover? Or would you like to be a guest on this podcast? Please send an email to I love you too much to argue at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at I love you too much to argue podcast. Thanks for listening.